Well, welcome to the Who is God podcast. I am Thaddeus Funk, and this is my journey as I make an attempt to get to understand a little bit more about who God is, what his character is, um, by hearing about how he interacts with other people. And I am excited. There's a great story coming up here. Uh, I'm excited uh, to have in the studio with us today Steve Borland. Um, I got to know Steve. Actually, I, I knew a lot about Steve before I ever met um, because there was a lot going on in his life and a lot of people knew about it. Made the papers, made yeah. uh, kind of online news, Facebook news, I suppose. Um, and so it's great to have you in the studio uh, and to get a chance to hear about uh, how God has impacted your life. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, let's tell the, uh, tell the listener a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Give them a little background, character sketch, so to speak. All right. Uh, I grew up here in Nebraska, small town between Lincoln and Omaha, um, 240 people and got into all kinds of trouble. So everybody knew before the sun went down, usually. <laughs> so that was kind of what I was known for, I guess. So right. And so you, were you an only child? Did you have brothers you were getting in trouble no, with? No, that was what really set the stage was they were 10 years older than me and really got it set up to where everybody anticipated me coming and being the same. So Okay, so you had older siblings. How yeah. many? Two. Two older. And yep. brothers? Two brothers, yeah. Two brothers. So they were apparently a little obnoxious, yep. small town, yep. kind of made it made the family name, so oh, to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. So you get to school and the teacher's like, oh, no, here's another one. Oh, yeah. I think that was said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and then did that give you something to live up to? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like I said, they're, them being that much older, I grew up, you know, hearing stories about my brothers getting into trouble. Sure. So I started fighting probably at kinder kindergarten. <laughs> That's probably when that started. Because so, you'd get to school and they'd start teasing you and you either took it or you didn't. Right. So. Was there, did that kind of, with them being that much older at home? Mm -hmm. um, did they kind of egg you on? Did they encourage you kind of stuff too? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that was, but it was them getting into trouble or my, my dad or whatever. Yeah. That kind of pushed that forward. Oh yeah. So you kind of grew up as a little rabble rouser. Is that? <laughs> oh yeah. Followed in the footsteps for sure. Right. Did that turn out into any sports or anything? Uh, it would have, if I would have paid in, uh, close enough attention to homework. Instead, I was off fishing and hunting and fighting and racing and doing anything else other than homework, so I wasn't eligible. Ah, okay. Otherwise, I did go out, but... But you were busy doing the other stuff. Yeah. Sure. Well, and you're sitting here in camo today. Right. Um, that kind of... that Spent a lot of time outdoors growing up? Oh, yeah. Were you on, were, Did you live in town, or did you live out in the country? Or? Right on the edge of town. Okay. Yeah. So, but right across the street from a field, um, which had everything for hunting and fishing. So definitely grew up doing that, camping, and um, <laughs> that's pretty much what I spent my whole childhood growing up doing. Right. And you've been making a, a life, right, a living lately, out of taking care of wildlife. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, so when uh, I got remarried, um, that would be this month, it'll be seven years, and I went from having three kids to having seven overnight, so figured I'd better figure something out. You went from three kids to seven. Yeah, we got married. She had four, I had three. And so uh, even though I was in IT, I was bored. It wasn't my passion at all. So 
Um, I had already had a company that I really loved in the outdoor industry making hunting products. And um, long story, but we ended up do, uh, doing different stuff other than the wildlife, the game calls, which I am relaunching this year. But uh, right. So anyway, um, you got to get back to the wildlife side of stuff. That's I got married and decided I needed to really ramp it up. And I had one of our customers from that venture before did this work down south and said I needed to give it a try. So And so what is this work that we're talking about? Oh, so when you hear scratching in the house and the walls and the ceilings, that sort of thing, bats, squirrels, raccoons, we get those guys out, repair the damage, and clean up the mess. Um, we do everything from, you know, repairing eaves and, and uh, soffits and fascia to full attic restorations. Hmm. So we take insulation, we can treat it and clean it up and make sure they don't come back. Because uh, if you leave it untreated, even if you've gotten rid of them and buttoned up the house, they'll still come back because of that smell. Right. They can smell it. So. They can take that. Okay. That's good to know. You know, I watched um, a neighbor across the street had a uh, had a little hole um, on the, the fascia. Is mm-hmm. that the, the word of it? Above the gutter. Um, and I was watching birds fly in and out. Not bats, but birds. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling him, I th- said, I, hey, I think you've got some birds roosting. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> Finally, one day, I'm like, come here. And... I, he stood on my porch and looked over. He's like, "Oh, oh yeah." Now I see what you're talking. And it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't a week later. Somebody was out closing that up. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, awesome. Okay, so let's roll this back a little bit. Um, I as we had coffee here recently and and got to know each other a little bit. I didn't put together, um, and maybe it doesn't go together, but it sounds a little bit like school, hanging out with people, a lot of fighting, a lot of getting in trouble. Sounds like the safe place for you was out in the country, away from people. <laughs> right. Yep. Is that? Yep. That's definitely where I'm at, at my best and at ease and, and just enjoy everything with Maria. We love the farm that we have now, so that's where we try to spend as much time as we can. Right. So yeah. being outside is a big deal. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we didn't, you know, we during COVID, we didn't miss any work because we were outside. We uh, can do everything we we did day to day before, and we wear masks anyway. So right, yeah. Because all the other stuff, yeah. So you were we used to wearing masks. Honestly, yeah. We we just kept going as if it was normal. Traffic was a lot better. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, so here you are, you're wearing masks and all that. Let's actually roll back a little bit. Um, I mean, I I guess I can kind of see how. A lot of that f- friction with people could lead mm-hmm. you to want to be in outdoors. Right. Um, and so then you've, you've had a couple different careers there. Mm-hmm. Being in IT, was that, um, was that a little bit of uh, – was that the, the IT guy that's hiding, hiding in the basement or were you out facing, face-to-face with computer users? Right. No, I was the non-nerdy IT guy. <laughs> so I did a bunch of different stuff. I did programming and 3D animation and – Web development and oh, break fix, um, all the way down to soldering, and but then exchange servers and you know right. all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't the guy that was in the dark room in the back and the in the knock, as they say, I suppose. So how does a guy um, struggling in school because mm-hmm. you know you got other other interests? Right. How do you end up in IT? <laughs> I wanted to make video games. That's how it started. Okay. Yeah, that's how it started. But yeah, I. Very quickly got uh, got away from video games, actually, doing that. And um, when I got out of school, um, 
didn't stay in the computer. I stayed in computers for probably about 15 years, but I did not like being stuck inside. So that's what took me outside. Got you back outside. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is great. About eight to nine months a year here in right. Nebraska. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But being a hunter, the other three are probably our favorite. Sure. Yeah. Unless you're talking about summer. <laughs> I like summer, uh, but growing up, um, you know, there's a couple times there there are time, days I enjoy like going out and and trying to get some uh, uh, some waterfowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are also some of the days where you're wet and cold and nope, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> be, I'm indoors. Exactly. So um, you've dropped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, family life was interesting. Um, you talked about being. Being married is re, getting remarried. Let's right. talk a little bit about that. That first, how did who was your first wife? How'd you get married? What was that all about? Met her, you know. She was we were fourteen and sixteen, and and uh, grew up high school sweethearts, and got married, and had three kids, and did not work out. She uh, went wanted to go one way, and I wanted to go the other. So she went to Florida, and I stayed here with the kids and raised them from five, seven, and nine years old. Wow. So yeah, that was all of our families around here, and but yeah, that was that was uh, something I didn't anticipate. Obviously, getting you, divorced at any point. So you became a single dad, divorced, with three kids, five, seven, and nine. Yep. What was uh, what was that like? That was a tough one. You know, I I went from with the game call company and doing shows and traveling all over and doing stuff to. Staying at home and, you know, doing everything with the kids, which I did anyway, day in and day out with them. The, the normal school, the, you know, the getting them ready for bed, getting them up, getting them all, doing doing all that stuff, cooking. And, but, uh, yeah, that was a different level. So it right. changes changes your day to day, that's for sure. So I'm, I'm kind of, we're kind of like, I feel like we're just kind of throwing paint at the, at the canvas right now and we're going all over. But I want to roll back a little bit. Growing up, was mm-hmm. God part of your life, part of your family? You know, it seemed, you know, I grew up going to VBS is about the extent of it. I remember almost what seemed like dying from, from, uh, just freezing. When I was coming back, I was probably about eight or nine. And I remember stopping in the field and yelling at God. So I must have believed he was there, but I didn't know much about any kind of a relationship with him or anything. Hmm. Do you know what you were yelling about? Just because it was oh, but yeah, just uh, either take me or you know let me <laughs> let me make it back. But my feet were killing, I'm sure. And right, yeah, thought you were gonna freeze to death. And, yep, yeah. Hmm. Kind of put you out there and solidified maybe your your understanding that there was a God. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think I've ever ever questioned that. Okay. Yeah, but I never took it serious until way last, later. In life. Yeah, way later. Right. So growing up. There's a guy. You go to VBS. Uh, were you involved in any type of uh, in church? Did you go to? Did your family go to church regularly? Uh, Lutheran church. Yeah, it was nothing serious. It was more out there. You know, you could drive by and see who was at that church. Probably is more of a check off the list kind of a thing. In a small town, everybody knows everybody's cars. Yeah, kind of what you're saying. Yep. Sure. Sure. I can understand that. Yeah. So then, after you get out of high school, go to college, or did you get married mm-hmm. before you went to? Went to college, no, nope, and went with my what would be my wife. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we lived together and went to Minnesota and went to college for two years, and then came back here and 
Oh, I tried to forget it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, we, we probably, I think we stayed together for a little while, broke up, got back together, and then got married, and yeah, and we ended up having three kids from there. And you ended up starting a company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With her, was she part of that? No, not really. She uh, she didn't wasn't into the outdoors much at all. She would go to the shows and, you know, not really. It was my brother and myself. Okay. So we would do the show and she would run around, you know, looking at the Grand Canyon or whatever. Right. Because the show's in Vegas or wherever. So. Right. You were out selling game calls and mm -hmm. um, and so she'd go to the to the event part of the show that's right. fun, but <laughs> yeah. then beyond yeah. that, I'm out. Right. Yep. So then God was God part of your marriage at all, your first marriage? No, no, not really at all. Probably just kept me alive to the to the later stage in life is the only part. Yeah, because I didn't didn't go to church, didn't really pay attention to much of any of that stuff. And were you guys were the kids were you taking the kids to church at all or anything? Probably just Christmas program stuff and that yeah. was it. Christmas, yeah. Easter, mm -hmm. the big family type events. Right. And that's just the first, you know. Until they were five, seven, and nine. So after that, it changed pretty dramatically right. as far as at least getting them plugged in. Sure. Yeah. So talk about a little bit about your childhood. You got married. You've got three kids, five, seven, nine, boys, girls? Two boys, and uh, the youngest was a girl. Okay. Well, that sounds like fun in that house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do the, do the boys take care of the little sister, or are they, is it all about picking on the little sister? Yeah. One of them. One of the funnier stories everybody thinks is they had a wrestling belt that whoever was the winner of the wrestling would retain the championship through the week. And then the next week, whoever uh, won that belt was in the champ of the house for that week. So All three of them. Yep. Yep. So Lily definitely spent time as a champ. She did. Yep. The youngest... <laughs> She's a, she learned to be a scrapper. Oh yeah. Oh yep. man, I I pity whatever husband she finds out there <laughs> yep. someday. Yeah, definitely with the brothers now taking. Uh, they would by far they would uh, protect her. So right. Yeah. So you're into this nine years into a marriage, mm -hmm. uh, more longer in the relationship, and that comes to an end. Yeah. What uh, what kind of precipitated that? Did you see that coming? I did not see it coming. No. No, it was a snowy day, and she said, basically, uh, I woke up with a hangover. She went out and shoveled snow, came back in, uh, and told me she wanted to get divorced. And that was the beginning of that. That was it? Yeah. Give you any reason why? Not really, no. You said she moved to Florida. Was it the snow? <laughs> no, I think it was uh, probably uh, not a compatible setup from the gate. Right. Just yeah. not. Yeah. It's not about looks. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. It's about it's about inner beauty. <laughs> That's right? right. That's what we learned. Yep. Um, so what was, was that a quick, was it long? What was that divorce process the like? The Band-Aid ripping off? That yeah. was the slow, miserable, why would you want it any differently uh -huh. uh, kind of a pace. Yeah. So how long did that take? Oh, my goodness. That seemed like it took. Two decades, but I think it took two years. Two years. Probably, yeah. And that was, uh, was it end of the year, end of that she moved or was it? No, there... she moved. So I moved to uh, Kansas City. Everything came crashing at the same time. The engineer stole all of our design for the game call company. 
in 2009, so I couldn't get an attorney to do anything. So we're losing everything there, the houses, the car, uh, cars, the marriages, everything. Uh, so anyway, that all happened at the same time. So I moved to Kansas City and lived on a in a hotel for seven months, working down there for our engineer. And mm. uh, would drive back every weekend all the way here, pick up the kids, go all the way back down there, do our weekend, drive them back, and then go back there and work the week. Mm. And then give her most of the money still in hopes of trying to figure it out and uh did that the whole time for how long seven months till i f came back and then then she went to school in florida and then i found out you know she had uh not been faithful mm. to put it on the very there least, was somebody else the least end of the dial of not faithful yeah right right you know it seems like it was always the guy that was not faithful right um, but it's, it's almost like, uh, that coin is flipped mm -hmm. a lot of times now. The guys are yeah. more interested in having the stable relationship and women are right. oftentimes leaving at least more so than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, man. That's tough. Yeah. No, it was, it was painful, uh, back then. And, uh, once I found out the totality of everything, it was, it was kind of like a, a speed date on the way through the grieving process. So. It was over pretty quick as far as that goes. You had to get through it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So your kids were were 5, 7, and 9 when everything started, or that's how old they were? When, when she you... flew out, they were 5, 7, and 9, yeah. Right. And then is there a, a joint? Or no, you have a hundred full. Full with the kids. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's had them full. They were all, obviously, all in school, and I had no child support. Nothing. I mean, I got 75 bucks a month for all of the three kids. Three kids. Wow. Yeah. So. And this wasn't, how many years ago was this now? Uh, well, that Ramsey, my oldest, was born in 2000. So okay. we're in 2007 then. Wow. Or nine. Nine, yeah. 2009. Yeah. So it's been about a decade. A little yeah. over, well, a decade and a half now almost. Yeah. So um, still not really got in your life up to that point? Um. Yeah, there he he was in there by then. Yeah, to kind of rewind the tape before we had kids, he had actually entered the picture. Okay. Uh, it was it was a night of minimal memory, but I remember uh, feeling really really bad, and I had the paranoia going, and and basically uh, begged God to make it all go away. You know, it was it was. Not a lot of fun that night and went to church that next morning. And then so I kind of had that started right there in the beginning of that. And that was probably right before Sarah and I got back together and then got married. And then got married. Yeah, and then got married. Yeah. So then was there an effort to go to church after that or was that just kind of a... Not so much. Kind of a weekend? I found out when we got back from our honeymoon, she had been cheating on me and she was pregnant. Hmm. So that's how we started the marriage. Ouch. Yeah. How did you deal with that? Oh, I don't even know. I mean, I suppose it was all God looking back, obviously, but it was not. Yeah, I didn't lean on him at all, not knowingly. Right. So, yeah. So you're saying he kind of carried you then, even though you weren't acknowledging him, weren't right. looking towards him. Yeah. He I probably just still carried you through that. Tried to be the bigger guy and, yeah, you know justify it in my head and every way possible and <laughs> yeah that's 
pretty much about how that went. Hmm. Hmm. So you're starting the marriage here. It kind of reached back out to God. A couple times when you feel like you're you're at the end of your rope, mm-hmm. maybe can't do it. God help me out here. Right. But then once you're not there anymore, you're back leading, living your own life, not worrying about God, not thinking about him at all. Right. Yep. Right. So then so then going through your marriage, you've um not really paying attention to God. You hit the end of a business, losing everything. Then you end up losing your wife. Um, is that the point where you start to turn to God again? Oh, no. Why would you? Why would you turn back at that point? I mean, you got plenty of gas pedal left on that. <laughs> so tell us, how did that, uh, what was that like at that point? Oh, well, at that point, then... If you partied and you had a wife that didn't like you partying so much, then you're like, well, here we go. I don't have anybody that's going to tell me I can't. And I didn't hard party or anything. It was drinking drinking beer and stuff like that. But it was, you know, to the pass out point and mm. just partying. Right. Yeah. So then she ups and leaves. Now you got three kids. Right. Was that kind of an end to that? No, that was the beginning. Probably, yeah. That was the uh, – oh, no, no. I guess rewind the tape. So when I was in Kansas City, I, I – I got it out of my system pretty hard, pretty heavy duty on there because I was, you know, I didn't have anybody to. And then when I had the kids over the weekend, I guess that sounded terrible when I said the first go around. So when the kids were around, I wasn't doing that when we were down there and and all that. It was right. It was during the week, you know, in the evening after work and all that sort of stuff. When there wasn't anybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So then when I came back, because I knew I was coming back that whole time, I knew she was flying out. I knew that. So I knew it was going to be October 30th or whatever it was, and she was flying out. And uh, so anyway, when I got back, I wasn't still right going going crazy or anything. But so when did God finally? When did you finally say, "Okay, uh, I need God in my life"? Probably then when the accident happened, I would say. Okay, so we're yeah. gonna fast forward to that. So let's. That was that was a, a few years. Yeah, that past. was a span. That was a so you're span. raising the kids by yourself. Yep. What were, and the the game business was gone. What'd you do in that mm-hmm. interim? Was doing still doing the game call stuff, mm-hmm. but I was in our hotel or in our apartment. The kids we had two bedrooms upstairs. I slept on the couch, which was where the living room was, which was where the shop was for the game calls, which was right next to where the kitchen was at, which is in the same same room as where the doorway for the restroom was at. Mm. So yeah, we just gutted it out. Yeah. How long was that? Oh, probably a year. I'd say at least a year. And then we moved to, back to Murdoch, where I grew up, in the same house. Okay. And stayed there for oh, a couple, year or two or whatever. Still doing what it takes to kind of make ends meet. Yeah, just kind of eking along and getting help from family and trying to get the game calls going again. But trying to be there and be available for the kids and just trying to tow that whole line. Right. Yeah. So. Still... Um, were, were your, at this point, were your parents, um, you know, at all religious connected with God at all anyway? My mom, yeah, Catholic. Um, so yeah, she's goes to Catholic church and, and, uh, that sort of thing. So not, not so much with dad. Um, he believes, but he doesn't go to church. Right. So were they encouraging you to get involved in the church more? Were they starting to take the kids? Mom always has been. Yeah. Always has. Yeah. Right. So she's probably out there praying for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure them. <laughs> All yeah. good moms are. My mom, I think my mom, uh, 
prays a lot for me more than I than I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you ended up, I suppose, fast forward to the, the next big event is you meet your current wife. Yep. And then how did, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about that. How did that happen? Well, this is another one that's going to sound bad. Uh-huh. That was Sarah's best friend or one of her best friends. So your ex-wife's <laughs> best right. friend. Correct. So we'll let that sit for a second and look terrible. But I didn't hardly know her at all. Mm-hmm. And after Sarah left, our kids were already all friends. Got so it. they Maria had offered for me to be able to come over and have the kids play together. And, you know, once you do that for a while, then we're both single. I mean, Maria was single. I was single. Right. And, yeah, just kind of ended up starting from there, just talking. But, yeah, it was <laughs> it was nothing like it sounds whenever you started. Right. Um, yeah. So the kids were the kids were friends, birthday parties, play dates, yep. whatever that was. Yep. And doing stuff at church together, right. you know. So yeah. Wait wait a minute. Doing stuff at church together. How did mm-hmm. the, you weren't so going to church, were you? The kids would go with Sarah. Yep. Because okay. then she would do the nursery. And honestly, that's where I met Maria the very first time. Would have been probably a t- couple of years before I actually started dating her. Um, I met her when I was covering for Sarah in the nursery. Mm-hmm. So when I say playing together, I mean they're little, little, right, little, little kids. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So then you meet, yeah. Start. The kids are hanging out, so yeah. By default, you're hanging out. Yep. And then Maria lays on me the way that church people date, and that apparently is in a crowd of at least ten or more. So we did, <laughs> we didn't do a lot of movies or or quiet anything's or normal. What I would have said would have been normal stuff. I used to give her a hard time and say she was Amish. Uh-huh. And uh, I clearly was not. <laughs> so, okay. But, yeah. So, like, what type of, like, what would a date consist of? Honestly, it'd be a, nearly our youth group, or not youth group, our uh, our small group at church. Honestly, it'd be a bunch of people. Her small group, which turned into my small group. It'd be, you know, several couples, and, and uh, it was never just us. Mm-hmm. And then it got whittled down to just us and the kids. So okay. Then, yeah. So okay. So I've she, learned a little bit about women. I don't know a lot. <laughs> uh, I admit that right now. Um, but I could almost see in this story how she might have at some point in time kind of put a target on your back and said, <laughs> "I'm going to pursue this guy." <laughs> yeah. Was there any of that? Yeah, because at the beginning of when we started seeing each other. I just asked, you know, I pretty much kind of one of those stop, freeze frame. If I'm going to do this, there's a bunch of people that this affects. <laughs> so I'm not going to even start if I'm not for real. So, right. Yeah. I knew the finish line before I started. Yeah. Or the goal of the finish line. Now, now when you say that, like before the kids started playing together or? No. If once I felt like I was interested or she was, however, that kind of uh-huh. came together. Yeah. Right. Because I could totally see her orchestrating everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, the kids are going here. Why don't you bring your kids? Right. She was a really good girl from from the jump. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's, yeah. She is not, uh, she doesn't scheme or do any of those kinds of things. I would, yeah. I couldn't see her being like that, actually. Right. No. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. She's <laughs> She's really honest and, yeah. And so you ended up, is it the same church you're at now? Yeah. 
Yep. Okay. So you're back in Lincoln with the kids. Yep. Kind of hang, starting to hang out, going to church together. How did you end up going to church then? Trying to get to Maria. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so then was there a, uh, was that a self-motivation I'm going to pursue? <laughs> yeah. I'm, we plugged way in. I mean, we were doing all kinds of different stuff at church with the kids ministry and with children, you know, with the Christmas program. And right. then once you start going, then you meet people and then your friends and, and it just kind of goes from there. Hold on a second. I think you just said once you start to get involved in church, you start to meet people right. and make friends. Kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, I hear a lot of I hear a lot of people talk about, well, you know, I don't know anybody at church and I don't know about getting involved. And well, look, here's how you do it. Yeah. I get it. It's what is they what do they say if showing up is 50%? I'd probably say that's 70%. Right. Right. Well, I I tell my kids, I tell my kids growing up, the world is run by those that show up. Right. It is. And 100%. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The people that are there are the ones that make the decisions. Yeah. You know? So um so you decided you're going to start going to church because you want to pursue this gal. Yeah, yeah. What, what did you see in her? Well, she was shorter than I was, which is a nice start. So I'm 5'6". She's 4'10", so 11 maybe. A gal that can look up to you. Right. Yep. So that was that was very nice, but I, I think she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I still do. <laughs> so that was... That was very nice, but honestly, her heart and and just everything about her, once I found that, you know, she could have had no teeth and no hair. And, and you still, still thought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and um, I, I got to know her a little bit um, through my mom, who right. goes goes up there, and, yeah. uh, um, and I know she's always talked very highly. And uh, um, the other thing I think my mom has always talked about is how how seemingly strong Maria's faith is. Yeah. And has been. Yeah. So you're still not super interested in God, but boy, this gal. Oh, yeah. You're you're ready to, you know, carve one out of the herd. <laughs> yep. So I think I even told myself that my life expectancy goes up 25 years if I land her. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because I will be done doing X, Y, Z. So, so you're getting involved in the church, but still not really engaged with God at all? No, it was one of the kind of double lives, but it started tapering down pretty quickly, you know. But yeah, it leading a double life, double and life. then that yeah. other life starts to go away. Mm -hmm. And so here you are; you're more involved with church, more right. more people. At what point? How how long was this was this going on that you were chasing her into the church? Oh boy, I think we were probably I don't even know a couple years that we. That we dated before we ended up getting married. I proposed to her, and we were engaged for six months, mm -hmm. and long, and we got married. What did the kids think about this? They went from best friends to siblings to it was chaos from there on out. That was the beginning of of the real battle. Yep, we climbed the ladder up here. We're about ready to start hitting some conflicts. I guess that wasn't even the battle. Uh huh. Yeah. So they they were great friends, and then all yeah. of a sudden, yeah, because now Mom you're and sharing dad are dating, and you're sharing parents. Okay. Yeah. So you go from her having the kids by herself the last deck. I mean, their whole life for the most part, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then me having my kids the last few years and being laxed, very laxed, and her being very 
very uh you know structured and homeschool right. mom and grew up in homeschool and uh it was a mesh of of a crazy proportion sure which we found out quickly so your kids are all like anything goes <laughs> yep to their kids are very nothing goes yeah i'm doing chores you're not doing chores why do you do chores? you know that yeah wow okay oh, it was a clash of everything <clears throat> so you're you you ask her to marry you. She says yes. You get married. She's got a good, strong faith. You're still not really there? No. No, and still partying. And now, yeah, so we haven't even gotten married yet. So, yeah, I'm still partying. And then when we do get married, I just don't drink anymore. But I still smoke and uh, smoke weed at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did that up till the accident. So how long were you married before the accident? Oh, we had our uh, two-year anniversary there in the hospital. In the hospital. Yep, so we were married almost two years. Okay. Literally, about a month short, probably. So let's talk a little bit about that. You're headed where? You've got, well, first of all, you've got how many, between the two of you, how many kids? Seven. Seven. Yep. So there's nine of you. Actually, I wasn't in the car. I was uh, I was already down there with my mom. We went down that Friday before. Okay, so you're going where? Uh, down to Branson. Going to Branson. Yep. You and your... Branson and... So you're down there with your mom. And this Was this a family yeah. vacation? So it was my mom and her friend from middle school. <laughs> they were down there uh, as well as me. I rode with... We just all three rode down there. Maria's kids were at her exes for the weekend. Okay. And Isaac, her son, her only son, broke his arm over the weekend playing football. Okay. And the dad did not believe him. Didn't think he actually broke it, wouldn't take him in to get it looked at. So he was miserable all weekend. Well, then when Maria got him back on Monday, they were going to go ahead and take off. Well, then they couldn't take off. So they... State got appointment, went in and found out, did the x-ray. Sure enough, he's got it broke. You know, they so they set it and got it in the cast and loaded up and then hit the road and got all the way down to Bolivar, um, which was not very far from where the destination was. So south of Kansas City. Oh, yeah, quite the, a way, just for, a little bit north of Springfield. Okay, so for the listeners that don't know, you know, this geography, it's about a three-hour drive from Lincoln to Kansas City, and then it's about how much further down to Branson? Probably another two or three hours, something like that. Two hours. So about a five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour trip. They're about four hours, four-and-a-half hours in. They're almost to the end of it, honestly. Almost to the end of it. Yeah, about a half-hour, hour left. Okay, so it's Maria and seven kids. Mm -hmm. Six kids, actually. My oldest, Ramsey. Also did not go. He okay. stayed in Nebraska. So everybody else was in the car. With so, and Maria was driving. And she was driving what kind of car? Uh, suburban. We had just purchased. So that's kind of where God starts kind of peeking when you look at the story. Because I had rented a van, a little minivan for everybody to go in. And leading up to that week, Maria was like, do you think we really need to save, you know, do we really need to spend the money? We just bought this gigantic tank of a Suburban. Why don't we just drive that down there? And I said, no, let's not put the miles on it. Let's just, you know, it was an older one. It was like a 95. Okay. And so we did that. And about the second or third time, I was like, you know what? I've been here before. I'm going to listen to her. 
Okay. And so we're going to go ahead and just drive that tank down there. And however, you don't have everybody driving that gigantic thing right. instead of that little minivan. So when they were... This is later, late Monday? Yeah, this is, yeah, late Monday. So they get on the road by noon or whatever. Okay. And get all the way, it had to have been way later than that because it was 1230 at night. Unless they, I can't honestly remember if they stopped or what what tied them up to be at that point. But it was 1230 at night. I mean, it was just after midnight when I got the call, probably 1245 or so from the ambulance. And, okay, you were in Branson. I was asleep in the, ho- in the hotel waiting for them to get there. Yep. And you get a phone call. Yeah, my mom and her friend are in their, their room, which is a half a block down the parking lot. Okay. And I was in my room, which was going to be all of our room when the kids got there in Maria. So you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Phone rings, wakes you up. Yeah. Who's on the phone? The lady in the ambulance, one of the, one of the EMTs. Paramedics, yeah. A paramedic is on the yep. phone. Mm-hmm. And it, are they, is it their own phone or is she using Maria's phone? No, using her own phone. Okay. So yep. you get to call somebody you don't know. Right. And it's a paramedic, and what does she say? <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, it's the worst of all worst. It's like your entire family was involved in a horrific accident, and we have no idea how it's going to go, basically. I'm just sitting here thinking what that would have been like to get that phone call. <laughs> it was terrible, yeah. What, um, what went through your mind? Honestly, I just figured everybody would be banged up, you know, and I, I didn't, you don't think how bad it could be. Yeah. So you're just, there's a bad accident. Yeah. You're not expecting it to be as bad as it ends up being. Right. And so is this just like you got to get in the car and go? Yeah. So I literally put the phone down and my entire body was shaking. I went running straight out and went running down the deal to my mom's where she was at. Yeah. So tell us what happens next. Nobody answers the door, so I can't remember if I kicked it or if it... Anyway, I'm in the room. The next thing I remember, my whole body's shaking, and I'm telling her, you know, get up. There was an accident, and kind of filling in the bits and pieces. What did you know at that point? Just that there was what that lady said. There was, there was a, hor- a horrific accident, and, the, you know, the entire family don't know what's going to happen. And did they tell you where they were taking the family? Yeah, they were taking them to multiple. They were airlifting the boys to Springfield. And then there was multiple ex uh, ambulances there picking the rest of everybody else up. And they didn't tell me anything else. So where were you going to head? Springfield? Just Yeah, I was just going to head to Springfield yep, to go to where to the hospital, they said. Well, they ended up taking them to two because it would have overwhelmed either one of them. Either one of them. Yep. So... So you have, let's see, you seven kids, one's not there, so six kids, seven people in a suburban. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about what the accident was. What happened? Well, so they were doing uh, construction on the south side of Bolivar, and as Maria remembers, because um, I did talk to her shortly after that, and I got her fresh rendition of what happened, but if you rewind the Rewind it. Basically, what happened is she's driving, goes through Bolivar. It's on the south side of town, and there's construction. So it's down to one lane. She's got cruise control on, and there's a truck in front of her that I don't know if they hit the cone or if the wind sucked it and threw it kind of out in the road. 
but she reacted. Cruise control on, one lane, went right through the stuff on the left side, which was kind of the just barriers or whatever that they put up, and then went down the median, and that's where they had that dirt pile. And once they hit that, it was airborne from there, and, and they hit and flipped about seven seven times, I think they rolled, six or seven times, mm. and both boys got ejected. So... Isaac landed about, I think, 80 yards in the median straight ahead, and Reese landed on the highway on the traffic coming back the other direction. So he was on his hands and knees crawling because he couldn't stand up, and there was a semi and a highway patrol that was next and slammed on the brakes and shut down the interstate immediately, or the highway. Right. Yeah. And so you've got... Your wife's still in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Two boys ejected. The rest of the kids were still in the vehicle. Yeah. Rolled seven times. Yeah. They're air, you find out they're airlifting your two boys. Right. Um, and they ended up taking everybody to two different hospitals. Two different hospitals. Both yeah. in Springfield. Yeah. And then I get a call from Maria in the ambulance. And that's when she said Eliza was gone. That was our 11-year-old. Yeah. Wow. To go from being dead asleep, you're talking about shaking about there being an accident. And then were you, had you left for Springfield yet at that point? Yeah, we were on the way. Yep. And she calls. She's in the ambulance being treated. Yeah. And so says, that's the hospital I went to is the one she was in. She was in. Yep. And she calls you and you're on the road mm-hmm. and tells you you lost one. Yep. What was that like? And that was definitely the worst moment of my life. Yeah. And Eliza was yours, was hers? Uh, hers, her youngest. Her youngest. Yep. How old? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. And I'm sure she, was she in shock at that point? Was she in tears? I think she was in shock, yeah. Because she uh, she turned around and could see and, and basically knew that she was gone. And told the paramedic, (laughs) you don't have to, you know, worry, I know she's gone. Hmm. So I think we're going to have listeners that that have experienced something similar, um, and we're gonna that are going to relate to this, um, and we're going to have listeners who don't know what it's like. Um, I think it's good and healthy sometimes to to talk about what you went through, and it might be good for some of our listeners to hear a little bit about that. Um, but it might also be good for those that don't know. What's that like to get that call? Um, well, so that was that was honestly extremely horrible getting that phone call. I mean, your entire family and then finding out she is dead. But it was almost like that was the beginning of the the things that the God was doing. Um, you know, with the injuries that the boys had that 
didn't even allow us to really concentrate on what was going on with with Eliza at all. Because both of the boys were, I mean, they'd already, they they died on the way to that first hospital, and I believe on the way to the second one, they both died in the helicopter and saved again, and multiple transfusions, and you know, Reese had all of the spine, the crushed vertebrae, and the broken vertebrae, and um, all of the plastic surgery that was to come, and the mm -hmm. ear that got ripped off, and everything internal that got beat up and then Isaac having the traumatic brain injury. I mean, that was, that was as bad as a brain injury gets, mm -hmm. you know? So you come in the, in the NICU and, and, uh, or I guess it would be the PICU for the kids that have already left the hospital and came back, they get shoved right. into the pediatric. So when you, when you're at that desk in those two most serious rooms, that's where we're at. <laughs> and right. so, it's a it's a it's a life altering deal. You go on vacation, your whole house is. I mean, we ended up losing our house when we were there. You know, we had right. So the whole church came and moved all of our stuff. You know, you your your everything is laying out. Your whole entire world is shut down. We were there for four months. So you're what you're saying is your kids were in the hospital a long time. Mm -hmm. A state away. Four or five hours away from home, yeah. And you've got to be there for your kids, so you're not working, right? And you're not paying the bills because mm -hmm. you're not working, and so you ended up losing your house through this. Not because of that. We had a horrible uh, landlord mm. who did not care. We actually owned our own that business already, the wildlife business. I had just hired a guy to watch traps. I trained him for for one week, and I told him, John is his name. I'll never, ever forget. John saved our company because he not only was able to do trapping, he was able to do everything hmm. for that whole four months. He floated the did all the work. He did the inspections, the trapping. He did everything. I would do the phone stuff minimally. Right. But yeah. Yeah, we had a guy, so... Uh, yeah, no, we didn't lose it because of that. We had a rotten, uh, we ran into some people that you wouldn't think that in the worst part, worst time of your life, uh, that they would be that terrible. But we had a landlord and then the landlord for our shop was just as rotten. It was crazy. Mm. They just said you're out. Yeah. Not, not because not, I don't care. That's not, that's real life. That's normal life. So anyway, well, not because you weren't paying rent. <laughs> no, but even, it. yeah, we were, I mean, we were stuck and we were struggling and, and, uh, just it didn't matter. Yeah. But everything happens for a reason. So did you, did something change in you, uh, at, at some point, you know, here you're still just a couple years into your marriage. Mm -hmm. You said, you said you celebrated your second anniversary and your wife was driving a vehicle and, um, is in an accident and you lose one. She loses one of her own children. I can't imagine the guilt that she probably immediately started wrestling with. Mm -hmm. And two other boys are in, in intensive care. Very, very bad. She was, she was beat up a little bit too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody ended up treated, right? Nobody yeah. walked, aw walked away from it. No, everybody had something um, broken or, or worse. Everybody but you. Yeah, and Ramsey. Yep. Yep. 
And so did you, did you realize, Hey, I got to step up to the plate here. Um, did you realize, Hey, my wife needs, is going to need a lot of emotional support. What, what kind of stuff are you going through? Oh yeah. Yeah. It probably get, got really real at that point there because like I said, I was partying up until then, you know, and when you see your kids fighting for, for air, you know, to breathe on their own and you're doing stuff that could make it tough for you to breathe down the road on purpose, you know? Right. And just those, those conclusions, um, yeah, it was an immediate breaks on for any right. of that stuff. Yeah. Well, and that's the part where I remember hearing through the prayer chain that this had happened. And and when I initially heard, often we we didn't know the details yet. Mm-hmm. We just knew it was a terrible accident. Um, couple in intensive care, one gone. Um, and I think I think the initial reports um, didn't even know whose kids were, were injured. Some of them were Steve, some of them were hers. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Just pray. Yeah. Did you feel the prayers? Oh yeah. That's, it was incredible. We, I mean, we, our entire church, there was services specifically for that. There were youth services. There was far reaching. We still find out to this day, new stuff, new people, uh, that it affected really mm. deep affected. You know, Eliza's friends um, have had a lot of things that they've gone through. Right. Eliza was how old at that time? 11. 11. Yeah. And your oldest, not Reese that was there, but the, the oldest, well, mm-hmm. how, how old did, were the kids at that point? What was so the range? That was some of the other challenges that no light, you know, really you don't shine on um, going with that many different things. But we had a senior, you know, so mm-hmm. we weren't around for that whole fall into January. So... September 18th through January, you know, we were not, not involved with any of that stuff. That's pictures. That's everything that happens. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so we had a senior, then we had a junior and it was basically staggered, um, all the way down, um, age wise and grade wise. And the youngest was, um, so Eliza was 11 and then 14, two 14 year olds, two 14 year olds, two 16s. We had a 17, the 18 and the 19, I believe, at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So at that point in time, did you start to reach out to God? Yeah. I mean, it was... By then, you know, we I had a, a fairly close relationship, honestly, with God and still just doing the double life kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just was still... And honestly, if if Maria drank, we uh, and I wasn't even drinking at that time. I probably wouldn't have smoked then. And and uh, but I'm really glad she didn't. You know, obviously, right? Uh, I don't miss it. I never went to treatment or anything. It was just you know, when anybody ever asked me if I drink still, it's like no, I got married. I don't don't do any of that. But so it was kind of one of those things that went hand in hand as far as that goes. But that was the uh, that was the beginning of the end of that for sure. That was yeah. sure. So. What are some of the ways that you saw God show up? Oh, everything with that. I mean, nobody should have lived in that accident. Nobody. And there's that thing was demolished. That that suburban looked like it had a bomb dropped on it. The steering wheel from her chest planning on this just the steering wheel was pushed all the way up mm. of a steering column on that thing. You know, there every Every piece of metal on that thing was bent. There wasn't anything that was straight. 
And yeah. you kind of said that she'd kind of been on you to, to drive that instead of the van. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it sounds like what you're saying is if they'd been in the van, maybe none of them would survive. I, <clears throat> I really don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So even that moment when you, you said a moment ago when she kept asking you, you're like, okay, I've been here before. I'll go ahead and listen to her. Mm-hmm, yeah. Do you think God was whispering to her? I think so. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, because that was the turn. That was the beginning of saving our marriage. Honestly, that accident saved uh, a ton of stuff. I, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Uh huh. Two years into the marriage, you think maybe the marriage isn't going well. You have a tragedy of immense proportion, and you're saying that saved your marriage? Yeah, yeah. That's what we both say, honestly. It it stopped everything that was tearing the marriage apart. Hmm. What what else changed? Literally everything. Everything, every last bit. Did, um, like, what you were chasing in life, the way you communicated, what kinds of things? Yeah. I mean, we didn't came back to no house, so there was, <laughs> there was that was the beginning of, you know, many different parts of that. Right. Yeah. And so, did you spend a lot of time... While you were there praying, reading the Bible, what chasing after it, what did that look like? Yeah, it was kind of weird because it was, you know, you're there in the hospital and everybody's in the condition that they're in, but it literally takes you about, oh, I don't even know if it was a day or two and we weren't probably the most severe. I mean, it, there was equal, equally severe and that was steady then from then on. So it was almost like a deal where God swept us away into a deal where we had to all be together and all figure it out and drop everything else. So how many of your kids um, were in the hospital? Yeah, the two in ICU. Two in ICU, and then the other ones just, uh, the other ones were in for a day, you know, something really short like that. And then they came back and we had friends the kids stayed with. Came back to Lincoln. Yep. Came back to, a couple of them came back to Lincoln. So, right. Yep. So then it's you and Maria. Yeah. Two boys. Yep. Um, living there. Were you in a hotel? Ronald McDonald House is where I was at with Reese once he got discharged after two, two weeks after having uh, all that stuff. He was uh, out and we were in the Ronald McDonald House and then we did months of uh, everyday therapy. Therapy. Yeah. So, so what happened? What what all did he experience? His was a totally different experience, and um, there was no spinal cord uh, damage. They were able to fuse, you know, the the vertebrae up higher, and then were able to do a back brace and fix the ones lower, so he didn't lose that mobility. So he, you know, ended up going through multiple plastic surgeries and with the ear, and so he had an ear torn off. Yeah, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life was they had him laying there and they literally took, I'm I'm right here at the side of the bed, doctor's right here, they're literally digging dirt out of his 
where his ear was in the side of the head, dig it out, and then pull that eardrum out, wash it off, lay it on the side of the bed, and test it and see it move around. And they say, yeah, he's not going to lose any hearing. And they put it back in and get it all put back together. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so did they have the ear itself? No, I wasn't. It was no longer to be seen. No idea where it went. It was. It started about right down here, and it went all the way back to about right there. So from close to his mouth all the way back to the middle of his head. Yep. It was just gone. Yep. Just took that whole strip right off with the ear off and the whole thing right there. So, so did they create an ear for him or what's... No. Reese had never... You know, he thought about it for a few seconds in the hospital about that. Mm-hmm. And now he's never, they did what they did to just basically, it's just, it's like your ear without your ear right there. So everything right. beyond that is there. Is there. It's Little hole. The outside, yeah. And he <clears throat> cuts his hair short. He doesn't hide anything. He doesn't wear a hat really ever. And Hard to wear glasses? <laughs> yeah, and he jokes about it too, yeah. yeah. Right. How old is he now? Uh, he is... 21. 21. Yep. All right. It'll be 22 coming up here shortly. So you turn to God at this point because what else can he do? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. That was a crazy thing of being in the hospital. There was people that would kick the the guy out that was trying to pray with him. You know, the pastor would come around and and, uh, try to stick his head in there and they'd yell at him, throw stuff at him and... I don't know how you make it through anything like that without mm-hmm. having God. There's just no way. Right. Yeah. Probably those people are probably angry at God. Right. It sounds like. Yeah. Why Why did you let this happen to me? Right. But that wasn't your... No, I credit Maria for everything, honestly. She's the strongest person I've ever in my life met. So what was her attitude? Every Everybody has got a number of days, honestly. And whether it was a car accident, it could have been something else. Right. Yeah. And she's had that perspective from the beginning. So did you ever have a celebration of life? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We uh, ended up coming back and uh, it was kind of, you know, took 30 days to get her sent back here and get everything kind of coordinated and in the midst of everything else with Isaac and, and Reese uh, getting everything lined up. But we did come back for... Uh, uh, service and and uh, yeah, that went went as well as it could. So you're still living basically mm-hmm. in Missouri, yeah. And you come back to Lincoln for for a funeral, yeah, yeah. And then turn around and go back, yeah. Was were you able to really mourn at that point? Not, I mean, you, we got a little bit of time to mourn right there. Yeah, that was a window. Yeah, but otherwise life isn't letting you. No, no, because you're, you know, they had to remove part of his Isaac's skull to let the swelling go down the brainstem, and uh, you know, it, it. We ran into all kinds of different complications, and and honestly, another God moment. They uh, ended up discovering that Isaac had a uh, condition with his heart, and they weren't able to fix it while they were in there, and that's something that could have. Uh, caused issues down the road so because because he had a traumatic brain injury and what else did he have 
Oh, I had to have them print it. It was, it was literally it was a huge list. I mean, if you, have you ever had a broken rib before? Yeah, I think they. I think Isaac had five, and I never heard him mention them. Wow. Yeah. Five broken ribs. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's so much else going on. We don't so even much get else. To that. Yeah, Reese never. Even, I think he had one or two, and I never heard anything from from him about it either. And that I've had a broken rib before, and I thought, I mean, <laughs> what it would feel like to get shot with a 308, probably. Yeah, you can't breathe. No, Any yeah. anytime you breathe, the pain. Yeah. Laugh. I was talking to somebody today. Um, was in a car accident and uh, broke his sternum, uh, oh. a couple ribs, and just. <laughs> You know, I was talking about cough and sneezing will just yeah. put you out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They had a lot, lot going on. So as he was, as they were helping him through, were you spent a lot of time praying specifically for answer to medical issues? Oh, yeah. I mean, we would be there for rounds every morning. Maria laid there with Isaac, stayed there in his room every single night. He, she never left, ever. Hmm. Yeah, she stayed there, and uh, so we were... That's all we did was prayed and went to therapy sessions and ate together with them and walked around the hospital. And I mean, that was our entire existence. And did you have anybody down there that you started to connect with? Whether there, yeah, uh, my it would be my brother in law's um, wife's aunt, <laughs> however you want to say that. Yeah, uh, they lived down there in St. Louis, so we really had a, a team already there. You know, our church family beat us to the hospital in St. Louis before I could get there. Because I went to go see where Maria was at. She got discharged. We got right in the car, left the hospital, and we already had our church family members already arriving down there. Wow. Yeah. And it was like that the whole time, the entire time we were down there. We had people coming almost every weekend. So it sounds to me, as I'm going to try and step out of this a little bit, it sounds like you never doubted there was a God. There always was a God. But you just weren't really engaged a whole lot. Right. Until, here it is. I, I didn't get serious about much of anything until, honestly, probably 40. And uh, then you, you got an example of one son who, because of the accident, the doctors discover a problem with his heart. Mm-hmm. And while they're fixing other things, they are able to fix that. Yeah. Kind of a blessing. Yeah. It's whatever that is where the electrical current would go around, but it's able to skip across the heart. Okay. I don't know the it's name of it, but sure, that Wolf makes sense. Parkins, something like that. Hmm. Something like that. Somebody knows. Somebody, yeah. I'm yeah. sure our listeners going, that's what it is, because they know yeah, somebody they've like got. Wolf Parkins and something like that. So you're now experiencing God's presence and him answering in more specific ways than help me not freeze on the way home tonight. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So how do you see God differently now than you did then? Oh, I don't know if I see him differently than I did then that's probably when it changed to where I see him the way I see him. Now. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I mean, then, then you did when you were younger, how did after the accident versus before the accident? Gotcha. Um, I don't know. It probably was a deal where it didn't feel like it was personal, a personal relationship before, but when you have nothing else whatsoever other than to lean on God, I mean, literally 
uh, it changes, it changes some stuff. And then when everything is all over and, you know, fast forward to life beginning to get quote unquote back to normal, uh, you know, you don't, you don't worry about the things that you did worry about. Honestly, you don't, it's the, the things that you did think that were that big. Uh, they just aren't, they aren't yeah. important. What was important before is not. No. Different things are important. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, very much. What would you say are now probably your top three priorities? Top three most important things. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Maria and our family, our kids. Um, and then, you know, the, the business that we're building, that changed quite a bit as well. We were vulnerable with the accident. And, uh, you know, we were down to John. And after that, we then got a, a manager, general manager, and a team around us. So, yeah, that definitely changed uh, changed us in every single way possible. Right. And it still does. I mean, to this day, our life is impacted every single day. Yeah. God shows up. Yep. In some way or another. Yep. Yeah. We shared a little bit of that. I, I we don't necessarily have time to get into to the new venture story. Um, but I find it curious. So one of the things I know about your wife is that she's involved in um what the church there calls a clothing exchange. Yep. Where people donate clothes. Um and then there's a group of volunteers that goes through them, sorts them, washes them, gets them on hangers and all that stuff. And then about what once a month, I think. Yep. Third uh, Saturday. The third Saturday of the month. People can come in that need yep. and can can take whatever take what they need, get what they need. Yeah. It's, and, and you were in a place where you needed. Yeah. Was she involved in that before? Oh yeah. Yeah. They've been this is year fifteen that she's been doing that. Uh, the clothing ministry and it's clothing and households and that sort of stuff, but the clothing ministry and accident was just five years, just right. this last September here, a month ago. So was that a lot of the group that surrounded you guys? It was, but I mean, I'm, <laughs> it was literally the entire church, the entire church, the youth group, our small group, there was, uh, you know, they set up fun stuff and, and uh, just really, really helped us, carried us. I like to sometimes step back and, th- and look at how God puts pieces together. Um, and, I, and I wonder, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe the board clean and say God didn't do a bunch of things and wonder what an event like this might be like. Mm-hmm. You'd mentioned here that you started to get involved in the church while you're pursuing Maria. You guys doubled down and got involved in everything. Plus, with that many kids, they're involved in everything. Right. Um, you know, I, I, it's fun to kind of listen to people talk about, well, I grew up and I was in church, you know, three days a week, you know, on Sundays, <laughs> Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know. Um, but when you start having kids and you start getting involved in, you know, well, I know clothing sorts Saturdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And, like, you're probably there almost seven days a week. <laughs> it was quite a few days a week, yeah. yeah. Whether it was checking the drop-off, which is where the people bring stuff. I mean, you, it's incredible. They cleared the entire floor, which means getting rid of everything that they had to give away that didn't go. Yeah. They donate that to... The mission, uh, or you know, to the next level of charity of stuff. Sure, and 
Sunday, literally that Saturday, Sunday, the drop-off area is already starting to pile up and fill up. And, yeah. and it's like that every month. Yeah. And so God starts to embed you in the church mm-hmm. so that when this happens and somebody says, Steve and Maria, there's been an accident, mm-hmm. everybody in the church knows who they're talking about. It felt like everybody in all of the town and surrounding towns. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine what that would have been like if he hadn't put the two of you together Mm -hmm. so the kids could play. Right. If you hadn't gone, you know what, I kind of, this one's kind of cute. I I think I'll pursue this one. Yeah. And then you get involved in a church family and that, that enables God to impact you in the middle of that situation in so many ways. Right. From people who don't go to the church, like myself, who heard about it within... Certainly within 24 hours. Right. Um, and we're praying for you. Yep. And people showing up at, at a hospital that from here is three, six hours away. Yeah. Before you could get there and you were closer um, to all these different places. Um, be curious to, to see if you couldn't fill a notebook, the two of you, about all the ways that God prepared for that event. Right. Yeah. It, it's just incredible when you sit back and look at it. I mean, we had letters and cards coming from schools, like boxes full of stuff. And, and uh, the homeschool world here, you know, there's right. a co-op that they're a part of. So that was a huge thing. And then football, they were part of football. So that was another huge, huge. network of people. Yeah. And that God just puts you in all those networks so yep. that you could be supported. Yeah. And it, it has honestly affected a, a lot of lot more than we'll probably ever know, honestly. Right. I mean, but yeah, the ones that we do know, it's it's been a tremendous amount. And so you've that's very impactful. You feel the the effects of it, I'm sure, every single day. Mm-hmm. And yet it's five years ago. Right. Yeah. And you're moving forward in life. That event doesn't define you anymore. No, and that's Honestly, I would have to give that back to Maria. She has held her head up, and and uh, she just won't allow anything like that to bring her down. And you know, we have our days, obviously, but yeah, she is she is the driving force between uh, probably us not doing very well and and doing as well as we are. Right. Yeah. And you've got how many kids? How many kids still at home now? Just Isaac. Isaac's a senior in high school. Isaac's yeah. a senior. The rest are launched. Yeah, we've got four grandkids now. Four grandkids. Yeah. You, I bet you couldn't have imagined that. <laughs> no, we really hoped uh, with that many kids we'd have a ton of grandkids. So. Well, I yeah. think you're, you're off to a good start. Yeah, we're a few minutes in and we got four. So Right, yeah. right. So overall, if you could say there's one aspect of God, mm-hmm. if you were going to describe God to somebody else. God is what would what would you say? I would have to say patient. I mean, he he waited around for me to finally get my act together and and he's waiting around for everybody to get their act together, honestly. Mhm. Yeah. That's awesome. God is patient. Yeah. And he pre-plans and he puts things in motion and he whispers to your wife Pick a different vehicle. Yeah. Take this one that you just got. Yeah. 
and you were sensitive enough to listen to her, even if he wasn't whispering to you, but he was probably whispering to you through her. Yeah. This sounds to me like a God who cares. Very much so, yeah. Even when it looks like he uh, he doesn't, we could have certainly gone that way, and Maria could have certainly gone that way, mm-hmm. but she didn't, um, which didn't allow anybody else to. So, Right. Yeah. A God who cares, who's passionate about you enough to put all the pieces into place, to wrap the people around you, to help you through everything you're through, and to bring you out of the darkness, out of those dark days, into some pretty bright days that you've got. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to share with the audience about those bright days, but there are a lot of bright days. Yeah, it's got to wear sunglasses now, maybe even a welding helmet. Because <laughs> it's yeah, pretty bright. It's, yeah, it's a lot of great bright. things happening. Well, wow. Thanks for taking us down this journey. Thanks for um, having me, definitely. Yeah. I never know what to expect. Um, You know, and I said before we started, what we talked about, what I think we're going to go, we never go that way. Um, And it's always good. And wow. Steve, thanks for sharing. Um, Tell your wife, thank you very much for for passing it on and making the connection so that this could happen. Um, I really appreciate you coming. I really enjoyed being here. Well, as we learned a little bit more about God today, I continue down this journey on the Who is God podcast. Um, We look forward to hearing other stories. Uh, Thanks for for joining us today. Um, And until next time. You've been listening to the Who is God podcast. Join the discussion on Facebook or Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Tacklebox Studios. Tacklebox Studios is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. This podcast has been made possible by generous support from individuals like you. If you found this meaningful, please let us know. Donations can be mailed to Tacklebox Studios, 285 South 68th Street Place, Suite 320, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68510.